Welcome to the Reclaim Your Rise podcast. My name is Lauren Bongiorno, nationally board certified health coach and founder and CEO of Risely Health, where we help people and families impacted by type 1 diabetes take ownership over their lives so that they can transform with more freedom and confidence. Everyone has a different reason to be here. You might be seeking knowledge, support, or community, but at your core, I know that you long for something deeper. You're here for transformation. And that's what the Reclaim Your Rise podcast is all about. A quick reminder before we start the show that nothing you hear on the Reclaim Your Rise podcast should be a substitute for personalized professional medical advice. Please always consult your physician or other medical professional before making any changes to your diet, insulin dosages, or healthcare plan. Hello, and welcome back to the Reclaim Your Rise podcast. This is your host, Lauren Bongiorno, and today we are doing what I hope will be the first of many Ask Me Anything solo episodes. Right before this, I went outside without my phone or technology, and I was just taking in some fresh air, listening to the birds chirp, and reflecting on why I was so excited to record this episode, and I think it's because we know with diabetes that the more personalized it is, the more we get to the nitty gritty, like that's what is so valuable versus that just like generalized diabetes education on like Google or whatnot. So uh, this episode is about tackling a few questions that you asked. Um, I put on Instagram last week, you know, what questions do you have? There were about like 50 that came in and I sifted through them and they were on pre-bolusing and weight loss and food restriction and communicating your needs with your support system and how to fix patterns. And I chose the top six that are ones I hear a lot and we could always do a part two if you like this and want it to be a series just let me know um, but let's dive into these six I think that there's going to be so many valuable takeaways from them so try to stay present take notes if you can as long as you're not driving and we'll start with this first one from Tracy so Tracy asked how do I appropriately dose with MDI prior to meals I was taught with the first bite but it doesn't seem to work at all for me I recently tried 10 minutes prior and it helps but I still haven't nailed down a routine a year into my diagnosis so first we hear this a lot right like my doctor told me xyz but it's not working and I don't know what to do and here's the thing there is not enough consistency first of all in what we're told across the board right like one endo can say one thing another endo can say another thing and that lack of consistency often leaves us with like well what's the right thing to do and what it comes down to is we want to question what we're told, right? And that's the first point that I'll bring up here is our Risely Community Manifesto point, question what we're told. It allows us to take an in information from the outside and then pair it with that insight that we have from the inside of what's working or what's not working for our bodies. And so I'll give you a quick example, a little story. So um, I, was on, I was on a plane a couple of years ago with my family. We were going on a trip. I forget we were, where we were going to and my blood sugar went low on the plane and I didn't have anything with me and so I walked to the front of the plane and I had asked them like hey do you have you know any kind of juice or whatnot and while I was waiting for them to get the juice my parents were like kind of sitting right there towards the front and they were like oh my gosh like make sure she has orange juice you need orange juice and they were kind of like in this like panic mode like almost I think they probably even like put the light on you know like above the above the the seat and I was like guys like I got it like it's under control and they went like automatically into this 
kind of like when I was a child and how they would react to my low blood sugars and specifically around the orange juice because the flight attendant didn't have orange juice. I think she ended up bringing me out apple juice and my mom and dad were like, are you sure that's okay? Like, I think you need orange juice. And the thing is, is that when I was a child, the doctor had said, you know, when your child, when Lauren's blood sugar is low, like give her OJ, it'll bring her up the fastest. But as I grew up and became more independent in my management, I realized that orange juice actually isn't the best way for me to treat my lows. It often spikes me to the other side. And so I prefer other types of you know, juice or um, like coconut water. I treat it with fruit a lot even sometimes glucose tablets. And it's just another example of how if we're told, you know, this is one way to do it, question that. Be like, is this the only way, right? So that's the first point to talk about there. Um, The second point is the when is just important as the what. So we often talk about like how much to bolus, how many carbs are you having, how much of this, how much of that with diabetes, but the when is something that we really want to bring to the forefront. And you know, Tracy, when you ask this question, you are right on target with, you know, okay, prior to meals, I'm trying 10 minutes. It's not really working out as much. And that's where you want to be playing around with like, all right, insulin timing is important. You're already recognizing that. Now let's take it a step further and go to point three that I would say, which is instead of thinking of nailing down a routine or one way, think about how you likely need to be flexible for different types of meals and macro combinations. So for me specifically, some meals I give a five minute pre-bolus. Sometimes I'm giving a 40 minute pre-bolus, right? It depends on what your number is before. It depends on what you're having. It depends if it's more carb and less fat or more fat and less carb. There's multiple different factors, right? And so I want the biggest takeaway for you to be and anybody else listening you know, who's maybe thinking about insulin timing is that there's not this like one nailing down this one routine, right? Like the answer is in the being flexible, knowing insulin timing is really important and to understand that the end goal is to figure out what works for you. So let's move on to question two. There was Jessica just asked, hey, so I have been T1D for about four years now. I have so many food restrictions, but I eat a lot of things that I'm not supposed to. So I can't balance my sugars. They are either high or either too low. I don't know how to find a balance and how to lose weight because that is what I would really like to do. How can I do that? Okay, so a lot to unpack here and I could probably do a future episode just on weight loss, but here's the biggest thing. The thing that we know is that when we restrict anything, it's not sustainable and what we know will happen is we'll likely flip-flop to the other side. So we're taught that to lose weight, we have to do more. We have to do more cardio, more dieting, cutting out more things, more rigid when all it does is really set us up for failure. And I had a very, very similar experience uh, to you, Jess, when I was dealing with my relationship to food issues in college. When I was restricting during the week, I would be good all throughout the day and have like my meals planned and have like my 10 carrots, you know, in the container with the little hummus on the side and everything was so perfect and in routine. But then late at night when I came home, it was like I was going into the pantry and emotional eating or on the weekends I couldn't just have a slice of pizza it was like that night was a cheat night and I had to have the pizza plus the brownies plus the donut plus the whatever else it was so 
The mindset switch I'd give to anyone struggling with this is to understand that first, when you make room in your diet to have all things without labels, food doesn't have a hold on you anymore. And second, focus less on the weight loss and more on your blood sugar numbers and your overall happiness as a priority and the weight will likely follow. And I know that's so frustrating to hear because you're like, no, I want specifics of a routine and a plan to follow. But I'll give you an example. We had a client who... I think it was last year, possibly the year before, she graduated from the Decide and Conquer group coaching bootcamp. And we always use her as an example because she had said that one of her goals had always been to lose weight and she'd be like struggling with it for years. And when she came into the DCB, she was saying, I'm going to put that goal, like I'm going to leave it at the door. And in the DCB, I only am going to focus on my diabetes and my numbers and my overall just health and that holistic management. And at the end of the program, she ended up losing weight. She didn't weigh herself, I think, for the entire program. She was so surprised, but it's a testament and we hear it time and time again that when we focus so hard on this goal of weight loss and we don't see it right away or we see the number on the scale even go up we get defeated and then we go to sometimes emotional eating and it's this whole cycle that happens where releasing it gives us space to focus on these other things in our life that we could see immediate gratification from in our mood and in our energy levels and in our overall just like health and happiness that over time weight loss could be a welcome result of that so that is what i will say on that one Um, Moving on to the third question. So Katie asked, I'm currently struggling with diabetes and my support system. I struggle to communicate my needs in ways that others understand. I feel misunderstood by people that do not have diabetes. Can they ever understand our experience fully? Maybe I have to work on acceptance around that. Okay, totally hear you on this. I have to say, I personally don't believe that people that do not have diabetes ever fully understand our experience. And sometimes that leads us, if we have such high expectations for our partners and our families and our friends to really understand how we're feeling, it leads us to retreating. And retreating leads us to feel disconnected from the people around us and make us feel like we can't be our true selves. Like we're presenting as one thing, but then that diabetes weight is kind of this thing that like you're carrying alone. And kind of sometimes maybe even resenting T1D because we have to do it alone. And I can tell you that making and having community with other T1Ds and having those connections is so, so, so huge because what it allows you to do is it fills that void that you're looking for and you're looking for that connection and that understanding from the people in your life and that they could possibly never get there, right? And so you're getting it, you're fulfilling it. So you kind of lower your expectations for the people in your life a little bit. And I think at the bare minimum, what is helpful is communicating to your family that like yes or your family and friends your partners yes i you know wish you could understand i know you can't so here is exactly what i want from you right and be really explicit do you want when you're venting about a high blood sugar do you want solutions do you want them to sit and listen do you want physical touch and just a hug and be like i know it sucks right? Like be really explicit with what you want. And I think that's, that's the thing that helped me the most that helps our clients the most. I for so long resisted having a group coaching program because I was like, ah, like I don't really know, like is community really something that people with diabetes need? And 
The Decide and Conquer Bootcamp now is our most powerful, impactful, transformational program for women with type 1 diabetes. And so many people leave the program saying the community was a huge piece of my transformation because it allowed me to be vulnerable, to be seen, to be heard. And I think that us as humans, we need this, right? We need that deeper connection on struggles that we're going through so we know we're not, we're not in it alone. And so, yeah, like everybody needs that support from T1Ds on a different level. So I would just reflect on, you know, where, where can you get that fulfillment from? Okay, quick commercial break for a story time. Last month, I was invited to a dinner in Connecticut with the Diabetes Research Institute Foundation, and I had no idea how emotional the night was going to be. I don't know about you, but I'm not a super detail-oriented person in some ways, so I kind of just showed up without asking who was going to be there. And sure enough, I walk into the room, and my childhood hero was literally standing there right in front of me. It was like a starstruck moment. But let's back up first so I can give some context. When I was diagnosed, with diabetes at seven years old, my parents, like many families, looked into diabetes organizations and found that DRI was 100% focused on research for finding a cure. They took me and my sister down to Miami one weekend. We visited the labs. I got scrubs, a gown, and gloves, which, by the way, P.S., I kept in a baggie with pictures from that weekend at the labs, like even holding mice that they were doing research on until literally like college when I was cleaning out my closet and was like, whoa, like I can't believe I still have this. But that was where I met Dr. Norma Kenyon and Dr. Ricordi, two of the leading researchers. And I always have this one distinct memory of Dr. Kenyon that will stay with me forever. And it was her bending down and telling me that her life mission was to find a cure for the condition that I had. And Dr. Kenyon became a household name from that point on, and she would even come to New York for fundraisers my family would hold each year. And as a little girl was just like an idol and somebody I looked up to so much. So fast forward 15 plus years and I walk into this dinner and who is standing there but Dr. Kenyon, still there, still working on a cure for little Lauren and for us and for this entire community. So to bring this full circle, DRI is now a sponsor of the Reclaim Your Rise podcast, which is crazy, and they are truly an organization to get behind as they are the largest multidisciplinary research center, and they have seen groundbreaking advances over the years in diabetes research. So definitely visit diabetesresearch.org to learn more about their impact and how you can support. Okay, moving on to the next question. Number four, Shay, such a fun name, asked, you posted a cornerstone class about this, but I'm broke. I'm working on having more stable sugars, aka sugars, during my workouts. I do kickboxing and always get nervous from that one time I was stuck at 30. I always end up high after the workout and I'm too quick to have glucose tablets or suspend my pump for the whole workout. How to deal with this technically, but also mentally. Okay, so... First of all, myself and Risley, we give so much free content away so that you don't have to purchase anything to see results and you can implement everything that you learn from the podcast or from our Instagram posts or our newsletter, blog posts. Like we give so many resources out there, but what the resources do is essentially cut down the amount of time that you're struggling. They give you a more personalized roadmap and they help you get past the blocks that are keeping you stuck. 
So if you are interested in having higher level support, we have a ton of resources, but also just listen to the pod, listen to the podcast and see how far you can get on your own. So to answer this, Shay, I would say technically and mentally, let's break it down. So technically for exercise and blood sugar management, understand what certain workouts do to your blood sugars, both from a biological standpoint and from a pattern standpoint, right? So understand the difference between anaerobic, aerobic, and then also time of day with your blood sugar and what type of workout you're doing and um, the patterns of what's traditionally happening, right? It sounds like your blood sugar pattern is that you are going up and that could be naturally from the workout. It could be from suspending your pump and kind of, you know, not even being low before, but you drinking juice or having that, having those glucose tablets, or it could be a combination of both. And so noticing first and foremost, the pattern. And then on the mental side of it, the mindset side of it, the fear of lows sounds like the, cul- the culprit here, right? This is a huge huge, huge challenge a lot of people have. Um, Sometimes it comes from having an experience like you said that you did where you were, you know, you had a bad experience when your blood sugar went to 30. Other times it, you know, doesn't really have a specific tie to an event that happened. And it's just this fear from maybe the time the doctor said like, you know, something scary about do not have a low blood sugar. And with that, it's really about learning how to build trust with your body again. You have to feel confident at lower blood sugar numbers and you have to know what your patterns and trends are. So right now I'm sitting at 102 with my blood sugar straight arrow across. And if it starts to go down, let's say hypothetically on a sideways arrow down, I know that I'm not in danger of it going too low because for me personally, I don't have any active insulin on board. And I know my body's patterns. I feel confident in my basal rate. So it's about being confident in your patterns and your blood sugars and your rates and ratios, all of that. So that is what I'll give you on that piece. And I'll say the resource that I believe, Shay, you're referring to is the activity and exercise cornerstone class that is $36. It's 30 minutes jam-packed of how to improve your blood sugar time and range, or just like, I should say, prevent lows and prevent high blood sugars during exercise and activity. And I will post it in the show notes if anybody is interested in it or Shay if um, you want to you know, revisit that resource. But moving on to the next question. So Nisha asked, hi, Lauren. One thing I really struggle with is any kind of spontaneity with diabetes. Unexpected eating occasions or food which comes a bit too early in a restaurant too quickly just panics me, especially as someone on injections, not a pump. How can I be spontaneous? How could spontaneous behavior be embraced? Or maybe it can't. Great question, Nisha. Okay, so we know diabetes loves routine, right? But it's also not realistic to live our life in a box with everything being so predictable and eating the same meal all the time and doing the same workout all the time. And so how I approach this personally is that my goal, I like to keep around like 75% time and range. Like for me, that feels really good. And I know that when I'm in my routine, I have higher expectations of myself. I expect myself to have, you know, more stable numbers, not have so like, you know, out of range numbers that I'm feeling tired or cranky or have a headache or, you know, all of that that comes with with it sometimes and what comes with going outside of routine. And then what happens is when I do go outside of routine a few times a week, whether it's that I'm traveling for work or for vacation or I'm going out to dinner or I'm going into New York City to meet with my team, that those moments are smaller in comparison to the time that I am in routine. And so 
those are the times where I'm like expecting that, yeah, you know what? Like I'm probably not going to have the as great of a time and range or blood sugar control as if I'm home in my routine. And I think my goal always is the balance between acceptance that it's not going to be as great and also reducing how highs the highs go or how lows the lows go. So let's say for instance, when you're being spontaneous, you are like usually going up to 300, right? Or if you're outside the US, let's say you're like 15 or 16 or 17 and or you're on the opposite end and going really low. How can you like reduce that? Reduce the dramatic standard deviation of how high and low that you're going because that'll also make you feel more successful. And specifically for meals, like you alluded to in this question, when like you're going out and what if the meal comes too quickly in a restaurant? How I approach this is I, I like to go into the meal as low as possible because I feel like you're like kind of getting a head start on it, right? Like if you go in and you're a little bit on the higher end and then the food comes too early, so that means that you are already starting off higher and you also don't have an opportunity to give a pre-bolus, then you're setting yourself up for higher numbers before the insulin can become active and bring you back down. But if you start in lower and let's say you recognize where you are walking into the restaurant or when you're getting ready at your your house or um, even when you sit down to dinner first, getting some insulin on board depending on, you know, of course, like your individual circumstances, situations, insulin sensitivity. That's what I would do though, is like try to go into the meal as low as possible and how you do that is is up to you and you can kind of backtrack from there. So that is what I would say for that, Nisha. And then number six. So Jenna asked, how how would you do a reset for diabetes? I've been high for so long now, and it seems whatever I do, I can't get my blood sugar down, and I feel at loss as to what to do and how to tackle this. So this is our last question, and I love this for the last one because... I think that that's what a lot of people, a lot of us look for is like, how do I reset, right? How do I, and let's let's break down the word reset, right? Like reset is like, how do I as quickly as possible break the pattern that I'm in so I can feel better immediately, have instant gratification, and then assume that this moment, this day, this plan is going to set me up for this trajectory of better blood sugars and a new life with diabetes, right? And it often looks like cutting out a a food group, right? Like when we think about resetting, it's like, all right, let's cut out packaged foods or let's cut out carbs or whatever it is for you. And I think the question you want to ask yourself is, is my goal to see better blood sugars for a week or a month and be bound to a certain rules and restrictions of a reset? Or is my goal to have more of a long-term play here, right? Like, is my goal to get to a place where I don't feel like I need to reset? I will say that every now and then, maybe maybe like two, three times a year, I will not have a few I'll have a few days of not great blood sugar numbers and I'll you know that mindset thought will come up of like oh like let's just like make it easy on yourself tomorrow Lauren and like let's simplify the meals and get back to logging in the diabetic health journal and tracking your patterns and all of that but that in comparison to how I used to be which is I was resetting literally every Monday like you don't understand it was Every single Sunday, I would go to bed so regretful, feeling like so crummy, wake up the next day with that kind of like blood sugar hangover feeling that we all 
love so much and I'd be like okay it's Monday it's time to reset and like that's exhausting you're on this like hamster wheel of resetting and I can tell you now on the other side that it's so much better to think of this as a complete overhaul in a way um, instead of a reset because an overhaul is like I'm going to change how I'm showing up for my diabetes. I'm going to change my relationship to myself, my relationship to food, my relationship to my blood sugars, my you know education around what I think is working but maybe it's not and I need to learn new strategies. The biggest tip here is I would say tangibly instead of thinking about what you can take out, think of what you can add in right an overhaul if we're if we're extracting things and taking things away we're going to feel so limited and feeling like we're maybe um, going against what our body habitually wants to do because we've been likely doing something that's not serving us for so long and when you flip it and you say okay well what can i add in can i add in reflections or journaling around a specific meal time pattern or do i need to look at my rates and ratios do i need to add in more movement do i need to reframe my mindset about how to respond when my numbers are high is it education that i need around nutrition and glycemic index or insulin timing or whatever it is like think about adding that in and also lastly i'll say it's not it's it's not just one thing right like we often think that there's just this one thing with diabetes and it's just like, oh, if I could just figure this out, if I can just figure out, you know, how to not be high overnight or if I could just figure out how to not go low after breakfast, then everything's going to be solved. And what the reframe really is for so many people time and time again that I see and what happened with myself as well in my own transformation is the acceptance that it's bigger than just the one thing and the one thing is usually on the surface and what we have to tackle is the things that are highly specific to you and your body that are beneath the surface with your patterns with your habits with your mindsets with your beliefs and that's when the real change happens so you can see that in all of my answers to these wonderful questions there's a lot of like personalization needed and mindset and reframes and thinking about diabetes in a totally different way than we're often taught to think about it. All right, so if you are leaving each episode saying, Lauren, I am feeling so motivated, so inspired, I'm learning a lot, I'm so uplifted, but I'm really struggling with the implementation part. I'm really struggling with how do I take all of what I'm feeling and learning and apply it to my own body and my own relationship with diabetes so I can shift my outcomes. Then I want to share with you a little bit about the Decide and Conquer Bootcamp because this could potentially be the thing that you are looking for and the next step on your journey. So the DCB is our 12-week signature group coaching program for women with type 1 diabetes. We've run the program 10 times. We are currently enrolled for our spring class, which will be our 11th round. And we've had over 250 women come through the program. And I want to describe to you the type of of person who comes through the program in case you resonate with it. And I think this is like the quickest way for you to be like either yes, 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 like this feels like exactly where I'm at right now, or you know what? No, like I don't really resonate with any of that. Um, and the DCB isn't for me and that's okay too. Um, I'm here to support you wherever you are in your journey. But the type of person who comes through the DCB is generally just feeling out of control with their numbers and diabetes. They're stuck in their management. They feel lost from lack of support, and direction. They're frustrated with how much diabetes interferes with their life. They understand that diabetes affects every part of your life and every part of your life affects your diabetes. And maybe they haven't always known that, but they're 
right before applying, they're really realizing that more than ever. They maybe even know a lot of what to do around nutrition or exercise or whatnot, but they're not consistently doing it. They're at the end of the day, just feeling kind of insecure and small and alone with their diabetes and maybe even hide it, hide it a little bit. And they're looking to really build more trust with their body, have more confidence and reframe their mindset. And so if any of that resonated with you, like really trust your intuitive pull to maybe check out more about the program. I'll put a link in the show notes below, but I want to read to you a testimonial of what somebody said about the program. Um, I'm just picking a random one off the page. I'll also link all the testimonial page in the show notes. There's hundreds of women's there you know, stories of the before and after, and you can kind of get a sense of how transformative the program really is. But this is Jackie. Jackie graduated from the program in 2021. And she said, prior to the DCB, I did not trust myself, both with my diabetes and personally. I was defined by a number and my life revolved around what those numbers were. Because of this mindset, I was constantly dissatisfied and feeling like a failure, which led to a lot of negative self-talk around my diabetes. Now I feel calm, content, inspired, at peace, and even excited. I'm thrilled with my progress. When I made my three-month goals, I was very calculated and specific. I wanted to lower my A1C, increase my time and range, etc. And while my A1C did go from a 7.8 to a 7.0, what I didn't realize is how much I needed to unpack some of the pent-up feelings that I didn't even know that I had around my diabetes and my diagnosis 12 years ago. I'm so proud to say that I built so much trust with myself and my patterns in this program. As someone who was on the fence because monetarily speaking, quote unquote, it wasn't the right time, it's never the right time. It's absolutely worth it. You are investing in your health and your future. The information you learn in the three-month program allows you to implement changes over your entire life. It is worth every penny and more. So that's just one of many, many, many that speak to really what the program has done for people's lives and can do for you too, right? Like this is available to you right now. All you have to do is take the next step. At the end of the day, our goal with the DCB is to help you shorten the time period that you spend struggling with your diabetes. I so wish for the years that I was struggling with my diabetes that I had this program. It's not just the education and helping you implement and transform your mindset, but it's the community too. You're going alongside in this program with other women who are there to do the same exact thing that you are. And it really is a big part of why people have so much success. So I will put all the links below in the show notes. Definitely check them out if any of this resonated. Shoot me a DM on Instagram if you have any questions, but thank you so much for listening to today's episodes and I'll see you next week. Same time, same place. I want to thank the Diabetes Research Institute Foundation for sponsoring this episode. If you are somebody who wants to see a cure for type 1 diabetes in your lifetime, please go to diabetesresearch.org slash give to make a donation. This is the only organization me and my family fundraise for for years because this is where so much of the research is being done and the donations allow the scientists to speed up their research. Links to learn more about DRI and the work they are doing in the show notes below.